Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to bring you the weekend warm-up, our show where we wrap up all of the major events of the week. And what a week it was. Another busy week for Bayern Munich news and it seems like, I don't know, it seems like a month ago now, but believe it or not, this was the week that they finally announced Joshua Kimmich was going to sign his contract extension and he did so. Uh, it just seemed like, it felt like it was going to happen weeks ago, but it drug on and drug on and drug on, and then finally it happened this week, and now that we're at the end of the week, it feels like last month. But, you know, looking at that and how this all kind of ties together with everything that's going on at the end of this transfer window, it, this was a major win for Bayern Munich, uh, by all means, to get Joshua Kimmich done and extend him through the 2025 season. I think it was huge and it was a must. And if Leon Goretzka is trailing right behind him, that would be awesome as well. But getting Kimmich done and dusted, you, you can't say enough about that. Uh, obviously, this deal pushes him into the upper echelon of Bayern's salary structure, and deservedly so. Kimmich is, in my estimation, the best defensive midfielder on earth. Uh, he was a player that if he reached the uh, open market, uh, if he would have pursued that, this could have been ugly for Bayern Munich because we all know that there are so many deep-pocketed clubs out there that would love to have a player like him. And I think it showed a lot of good loyalty, not just uh, from Kimmich to the club, but the club to Kimmich uh, to get him up into that pay scale that he deserves, uh, at least compared to other players on the market. Uh, this was really good for Kimmich. It was really good business for the club. And you can't say enough good things about what it means moving forward. You can count on that position being locked down through 2025 at least. And that's a, that's a great thing because that's such a keystone piece of any formation. Have your defensive midfielder, uh, a world-class defensive midfielder at that, be available and knowing that you have him for uh, another four years. This is This is a great thing. So... I think that was an awesome way to start the week for a lot of Bayern fans. I know that, you know, it was one of those times where, you know, I was anticipating it for days and weeks, and, and it finally happened. And, uh, you know, you, you had to feel good about just how it all played out. And the fact that he did it on his own without an agent was pretty impressive. I would love to know the inner workings of how all that happened. We know he saved himself some money that way, which probably helped in his negotiating and, and what the club was willing to give him because... Uh, you know, at that point, there's not, you know, there's no cash going to an agent. There's no 6% or whatever the agent fees are these days. Uh, this was all going to Kimmich. So that probably lessened the overall cost of the deal to get Kimmich what he wanted. So excellent job by Byron's front office to lock down one of their best players. Uh, but that wasn't all that happened this week. Uh, of course, since we last recorded the weekend warm-up, Byron played two games. Uh, they snuck away with a victory from FC Cologne, so that was a uh, it was a harder fought game than it should have been. But again, I think we've seen some good things from Bayern Munich so far. I'm not going to sweat some of the mistakes that they made. I mean, this is still earlier in the season. I think some miscommunications defensively made that game a lot closer than it really was. But I really do feel like the defense played well throughout that contest. And, you know, a couple of momentary lapses are not something I'm going to get stressed out about at this point. Uh, 
when you compare that game, though, to the midweek DFB-Pokal match between Bayern and Bremer Esva, you know, that was crazy. A 12-0 victory for Bayern. They played with just about all of their subs on the pitch. So it was it was a good chance for Nagelsmann to go out and get players like Quentin Tolisso, Jamal Musiala, Eric Chupo, Eric Maxim, Chupo Moting, and others a lot of playing time. And I think that will be beneficial down the road. Uh, you know, what we saw in that game was probably the first instance of something we will see a lot moving forward. And that's Nagelsmann looking at Leroy Sané and saying, you know what, I know this club has a an unwritten rule to have inverted wingers where possible, but uh, we're going to put Sané on the left side because that's where he looks more comfortable. Historically, that's where he's proven to be more productive. So rather than keep trying to force the issue with something that Sané is not comfortable with, Nagelsmann made the move. And from here, this is where it will get really interesting. What kind of chemistry will he have with Alfonso Davies? Because we all know how Davies plays left back, and that is to really boom up the field and be an impact player on offense. And I'm a little curious to see how those two work together, given Davies' ability to get up the pitch and really... Uh, dominate that side of the field at times. I, I could tell that Serge Gnabry was very uncomfortable with it at times, and uh, he wasn't sure whether to push inside or fall back and cover. It, it was a it was a very difficult task for Gnabry to get used to, and it's not that he couldn't do it over the course of time. It's just that it seemed like at times the aggression that Davies has on offense and the ability that he has to impact the game that way made Gnabry a little unsure of where he should be or what he should be doing. I'd be curious to see if Sané experiences those same issues. But listen, if you are a Bayern Munich fan and you went through the entire Leroy Sané transfer saga, you have to be at the point now where they need to do something to get him on track. Clearly, it was not working on the right side. He has not been good since the day he signed. I mean, he's been okay. I don't want to say he's a bad player because he's not. He's very talented. He's very fast. He's got great footwork, a good shot. But he hasn't been good consistently, and that's the biggest problem that Byron has had on with all of their wingers over the past season and a half. Uh, it's, it's very disappointing to see how those players have played at times. With Sané, this is it. Like He has to show something this year. So whatever Byron needs to do to get him going, if this is the move, then you have to support it. Now, how does this all work out when Kingsley Coman comes back? How does this work out if Jamal Musiala keeps putting in excellent performances? Like, I don't know how you keep Musiala off the pitch. Uh, I, he would be a starting wing for me today. Like, there would be no waiting on this. He, he, I believe he's that good and that impactful. I realize that Musiala has a lot to learn about positioning. He has a lot to learn about defensive responsibilities. But he impacts the game in so many other ways that I think he gets a little bit, He can, you can give him the benefit of the doubt because he's going to produce so much more, I think, at this point than those other wings. Now, again, when Sané pushes left, if Nagelsmann sticks with Gnabry as the other starter, which he probably will this week against Hertha Berlin, I think we'll see Gnabry also looking a little more comfortable on the opposite side. So, uh, you know, this will be fun to watch. It'll be fun to see how 
these players react to playing in these positions and how they interact with the other players around them. But the Sané Davies, Davies pairing is one that we should all keep an eye on because that one has potential to go boom or bust. It could be really, really good, or those two could be in each other's way the entire time. Uh, and when you look at the roster that Bayern Munich has and you look at the players, you have options everywhere, right? You have good center backs. You have some options uh, for reserve left backs, for wing, uh, in the middle of the field at striker. You've got decent depth. But the overall prevalent feeling within Bayern Munich's organization and by mostly every pundit and just about everybody on social media is that Bayern has a thin roster. And what we learned over the course of this week, if you believe the reports, is that Bayern Munich could potentially be very, very close to signing two players. Now, all along throughout this window, we heard that, no, Bayern Munich is going to have to sell players before they can buy anyone. Well, that all went out the window based on reports that came out this week. And if those reports are to be believed, Bayern Munich is no longer going to have that requirement to sell anyone. So we could see someone like Marcel Sabitzer come into the club without Bayern Munich having to sell Quarantan Tolisso or Mikel Cuisance or Bunasar or just about anyone else that the club has up for sale. So that's very interesting to me that after all of this, uh, Bayern has decided now it's at the end of the window, they might have to make a move to satisfy this, this need within the organization to bolster the roster. And with a player like Sabitzer being valued uh, or I shouldn't say valued, but rumored to be up for sale for between 18 and 20 million euro. I think that's just a move you have to make no matter what, just because it's a value buy. It's it's ridiculous that that's the price on Savitzer, but that's what it is. So uh, now the fact that you don't have to sell someone like Taliso uh, or or Cuisance or anyone else to get Savitzer, I think you do it. You get it done quickly and you get him integrated into the squad. Uh, another name that we saw come up this week, and this, this person is really divisive among Bayern fans from what we can tell, is Jonas Hoffman from Gladbach. And Hoffman is a very versatile midfielder. He can play centrally, he can play on either wing. Uh, both Hansi Flick and Yogi Love uh, apparently thought Hoffman would make a good right back, and Julian Nagelsmann is also in that camp, which makes things a little interesting considering how much we've heard about uh, Bayern Munich wanting another right back. And if they can't get a pure right back, it seems like Hoffman could be an option. Now, if you really want to put your tinfoil hat on and you really want to get into the conspiracy, you could look at Hoffman and the potential addition of Hoffman as a precursor to Nagelsmann moving to his preferred back three formation. And why do I say that? Because you wouldn't need Hoffman to play as a dedicated right back if you have a back three. He could play more of a right wing back position, which would probably be more fitting for him rather than a straight right back in a back four. And that could get that could really make things interesting. Nagelsmann has talked about tactical flexibility, the versatility of his players a number of times. So adding a player like Hoffman to the mix really could allow him to do any number of things with the formation, either from a game-to-game -game basis or within games. Uh, the options for Nagelsmann would pretty much be unlimited. 
uh, if he could secure those two players. And with Sabitzer, I mean, he is mostly known for his play in the middle of the park. You know, he could play 6, 8, or 10. He's more of an attacker than anything, but he can also play at wing. So having a player like him available as well to maybe even contribute as a winger at times, it could really give this squad a, a jolt that they might need as they get into these competitive games with the Champions League forthcoming. So I'm excited about the potential of those two moves in particular. To me, I could almost even see Byron coming up with a shock move at some point right before the deadline closes of a player we don't even know about yet because it seems like, uh, you know, what happened with Hoffman is this is something that I don't, we hadn't heard any rumors linking Hoffman to Bayern Munich. And then all of a sudden it just came crashing through the window this week. And it turns out that last season Hansi Flick was asking for Hoffman. So all of that homework that Bayern Munich had previously done on Hoffman when Hansi Flick submitted the request was still relevant now when Nagelsmann made the same uh, ask of the front office. So they were well-versed on Hoffman, what he can do, how much he would cost, where he would play. And I think that those two moves actually could happen. And it's crazy to think that Bayern could get both of those players for a combined total of under 40 million euro, which is just nuts to me. And it could happen. Now, maybe I'm being a little optimistic about that and just in terms of Bayern getting both players. I mean, there are a lot of you out there who are like, nah, this is nonsense. Uh, you know, Bayern's not going to do anything. We've heard so much about their financial issues, blah, blah, blah. You could be right. Uh, but I do think that the board is looking at the roster and they're looking not just at making the roster stronger, but is this a smart financial decision to get two players like this who would seemingly be undervalued in this market and to be able to add them and increase the quality of the squad? I, I think it's something they can't pass up and I think it's something that legitimately could happen. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny because there was definitely some debate among, debate among Bayern fans as to whether, you know, these rumors are true. Is, is You know, this Marcel Sabitzer rumor has been going on for almost a month now, and at some point, you know, something has to happen or this was all just nonsense. I believe the Sabitzer rumor was true, and the same thing happened when the Hoffman story broke. There was a lot of doubt about this. It, you know, some people said it was just Hoffman's agent or whoever represents him you know, trying to drum up some interest. Others just thought it was straight nonsense, but it turns out it was, you know, that story was corroborated by three major outlets in Germany and, you know, this could happen. So that's absolutely something we'll be keeping an eye on in the coming days. I mean, I'm recording this on August 26th. You know, we've got barely any time before this window closes. So a lot could go down. And I know all of you will be extremely interested in, in following it if it does, because if either one or both of those moves happen, I mean, that would just create just major interest in how those players would integrate into the roster, how they would be used, and how they would help the team. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I am optimistic that things will happen. Uh, if it was up to me and, you know, I was sitting in the boardroom at Byron and if I was, they'd probably ask me to leave immediately. I would be pushing to make these moves. And it's not just because Sabitzer's a world-class midfielder. It's not just because Hoffman brings versatility to just about any team he would be on. It's that it does give Nagelsmann the ability to coach the way he wants to coach. And if you've listened to me or read my stuff before, 
you know that I was a big Nico Kovac fan. I thought that he kind of got a raw deal here because he was never allowed to coach the way he wanted, not use the formation that he wanted to use, not get the players that he needed to be successful within the system he wanted to use. When you hire a coach, you're hiring the philosophy. You're hiring the system. You're hiring what he wants to do, the types of players that he wants to coach. If you don't buy into what the coach is saying and what he wants to do, then don't hire him. It's as simple as that because you cannot force a coach to use a system they don't want to use, to play players that they don't want to play and expect success. And I think that if they can get Nagelsmann some players that he thinks will fit into what he wants to do, then by all means, they have to do it, especially at the rates that are being charged for such players. So we will be keeping a, a very close eye on this situation. And finally, the, the I don't know, it wasn't even the biggest news of the week because it ended up being kind of funny, but the Champions League draw came out and that caused some, some major eye rolls because of course, you know, you saw Manchester United kind of get gifted a group. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, I can't even understand uh, at this point how easy their draw is. I mean, that's crazy. And, and like, if I look at that, I'm thinking Erling Haaland is absolutely going to go crazy in that group and just probably break every record there is to break. But back to Bayern Munich, uh, they, of course, were drawn with FC Barcelona, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. So when you look at that, this is obviously this is not the power Barca teams from the past. It's not even as good as the team that Bayern beat 8-2 in the Champions League uh, just a couple of seasons back. So this should be interesting. I, I personally did not want the mega matchup with Bayern and PSG so early. So I was happy to see them not land in the same group. And to be honest, it's not that I, I'm not scared of seeing major or hard competition, but at this point, Julian Nagelsmann is still working to build something. They're still trying to figure things out. They're still trying to bolster the roster. I didn't necessarily want to see Man City yet. I didn't necessarily want to see PSG yet. I didn't necessarily want to see Liverpool yet. I was per I'm perfectly fine with seeing those teams later down the road. But right now, with where this team is and what Nagelsmann's trying to implement, I think that they didn't need an easy group, but they needed one that was almost going to be like a surefire uh, kind of walk through for them. So I'll be disappointed if Bayern doesn't win all six of the group games just because I don't really think Barcelona is that good. I mean, Benfica, you have to respect, but I, I also just talent-wise, they're not going to be able to match up. And Dynamo Kiev, again, great team in their own league, but this is going to be an extremely difficult matchup for them. So we'll see what happens with it. Uh, it will at least make for some interesting banter between Bayern and Barca fans. But I think if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you should be happy with the draw. You don't need to see PSG yet. Uh, personally, like it would have worked out great for me to get Real Madrid right now. That's who I wanted to see uh, rather than Barca. I would have much preferred to see Real Madrid, but that didn't happen either. So, uh, you know, people will, will make a big deal out of this and, and they'll say, well, you know, we need to face the biggest competition. We need to have the best games right now. 
I'm okay with not having the, the most high quality games right now. I want this team to grow into itself. I want them to continue to evolve under Nagelsmann. Like even if you think about it, something as little as the Leroy Sané situation where Nagelsmann is going to place him on the opposite side and play him on the left. I mean, that's something that could take some time to get used to. It's going to take Sané and Davies some time to learn to work together. You've had Manuel Neuer banged up. You've had Kingsley Coman banged up. You've had Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar all banged up. You're working to integrate Josip Stanisic into the squad. I mean, these are all things that, while they are working out and while things really look good at this point, um, you know, you need to see more. You need more time. And I think this is exactly the type of Champions League draw that this Bayern Munich team needed. And listen, if you think I'm a sissy because I didn't want to see the PSG or Man City or Liverpool at this point, okay, you can call me that. That's fine. But I, I truly do think that this was the, the best possible outcome for Bayern to have, you know, one pretty challenging team in Barca. Just historically, they're they're competitive. Benfica is, is a tough, rugged squad that won't go down easy. And uh, Dinamo, Dynamo Kiev, who knows? I mean, I... I, I I'd be lying to you if I said I watch a lot of their games. I watch none of their games. I wouldn't even know where to find them uh, right now. But, again, you, you respect them for what they've done, what they've accomplished. But talent-wise, top to bottom, Bayern Munich should no doubt be a lot better. So that'll about do it for this episode. I appreciate you hanging in and listening every week. I uh, love bringing these. going to be expanding this a little bit, venturing into some other topics, always of course, having Bayern Munich as the focus, but um, you know these are these are a lot of fun to do. I love being able to recap the week, and you know I encourage you hit hit me up on Twitter, leave some comments if you have some questions, if you want any topics brought up. I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, I'd, I'll be honest, I'd love to have some of you out here <laughs> listening to this on with me and just banter a little bit and talk and see. See what you think. I'm all about that. And like I said, at some point we will have some other people joining me, but we are slowly getting some other BFW writers ramped up on podcasting. So stay tuned for that. Uh, once they are techn- technologically up, set up and ready to go, uh, you should hear some more voices on with me and also throughout Bavarian Podcast Works, the entire network. So you know, stay tuned for more of what we're doing and uh, you know how we cover Bayern Munich in Germany. Always check BavarianFootballWorks.com for the latest and greatest content. You can follow me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. Always follow Bavarian FB Works. You can also get Jake at, at Jefferson Fenner, Tom at, at Tommy Adams seventy one, and I need no name at BFWINNN. Uh, I, that that annoys me every time <laughs> I read it, but. Yeah, he's the best, and uh, he, I think uh, what we've seen so far out of I Need No Name and Schnitzel and some of the work that they've done on the podcast, I'm really happy to have them both. And, you know, they were a really good addition to Samrin and Tom and Jake. Uh, I love the the squad that we're building on the podcast side and uh, looking forward to getting some more voices into it. We've got a lot of crazy uh, crazy writers with some crazy ideas and uh, I love to would love to get them on the air and, and have them talk through it so thanks again for joining us we will see you next week let's hope that Bayern Munich picks up 
another victory this weekend over Hertha Berlin. See you next time.